Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Today is the 24th of May and we are here to catch up on round one at the French Open at Passing Shot HQ. It's been a lovely last few days at Roland Garros. I love the the Sunday start. I was a little bit hungover, so it was just great to just stroll downstairs, lie on my sofa and just watch some watch some Grand Slam tennis. And, uh, you know, it's been a great start. We've been had some we've had some shocks, particularly in the women's side. It's great to see Rafa back as well. And of course, Kim, we've got Hugo Gaston delighting the local crowd after the bittersweet ceremony of, of Joe Wilfred Songa against Casper Ruud, his final match now firmly in retirement. But he did give it a good go, didn't he? He did. But I mean, aside from Songa losing and obviously saying goodbye, you know, with been a pretty good day for French players, which um, we will get on to later. But yeah, I'm, I'm pleased Gaston was able to come through that. He lost like nine games on, on the trot in this match with Alex de Menor and uh, saw him break his racket in two. And I was thinking, oh dear. But um, yeah, he, he come through entertaining the the locals again. <laughs> I'll always remember him, you know, in 2020 when he, I think, beat Stan and then came close with, with Dominic Team. So I... Um, uh, yeah, always, always up for a bit of Hugo Gaston. <laughs> we also got the, I feel like what is courtesy now, Benoit Pair, 24 double faults in his match against Ilya Ivashka. I really enjoyed that he he did that. And then as soon as that happened and he lost, he was back out to Chatrier to wish his friend Songa, along with lots of other kind of glittering kind of French players. Uh, Gasquet was there. Gilles Simon was there as well, who was also retiring. So it was a real kind of emotional moment, which we will get onto. There has also been big developments outside of the French Open that we need to catch up on first, Kim. We are going to get, obviously, to your collector set and predictions as well. But we've got to start with Wimbledon. Ranking points, they're not going to be there. And uh, that's going to be on the ATP and WTA tours. They've both decided to strip ranking points from Wimbledon this year. and. It's been quite fascinating to see uh, what the reactions are of of various players on social media after their matches as well. I feel like some of these round one matches were, you know, very, very quick, 40 minutes for the, maybe for the women's matches or straight three sets regulation job for the men. And it was, it was actually more like, okay, what are they going to say in the, their press conference about ranking points and the fact that there's not going to be any at Wimbledon? 
Yeah, we haven't had too much controversy from the French Open so far. So certainly Wimbledon is filling that gap nicely, um, unfortunately. Yeah, I think, you know, we were wondering if this would actually be a decision that would be taken, but it has been. And yeah, no one is going to be allowed to gain any ranking points from Wimbledon this year on the, you know, ATP or WTA side. Um, and it's also going to be the case that ranking points from 2021 will drop off. So it's not even like they're freezing the points. Um, they're going to lose everything that they had. So Novak Djokovic is, despite the fact he's probably going to win it again, he will lose 2,000 points. Um, and, he's already you know, lost 2,000 points yeah. from the Australian Open. Yeah, so he's really been um, affected quite a lot. I think it's almost probably like, very likely he will lose the number one ranking, uh, but, you know, already. So it, it does make a mockery, I think, of the, the ranking system if, when it changes something like who's world number one and the weeks someone might be reigning for when you know through no no fault of their own in in this case they are uh, just losing points i mean i understand why the atp and wta have done it but i think it's i think they should probably have maybe frozen the points rather than letting them drop off i mean especially kim because if that does happen if this does happen and novak djokovic as you said would lose the world number one ranking he could lose it to a russian he could lose it to daniel medvedev so it makes it more a bit Mickey Mouse, a bit of a circus. Um, you know, I think we've kind of sort of expected it over the years. We've seen these sorts of things kind of play out. And I think, again, kind of fundamentally, Wimbledon and the the tours uh, have very different kind of stances on, uh, you know, the war at the moment between Russia and Ukraine. And it felt like in all, they, the ATP and WTA, they sort of, I think, conceded on the tour events in the UK because there will be ranking points there but they just felt at you know at the Grand Slam at Wimbledon it was a complete kind of non-starter and it's interesting to see it feels like the players are almost this kind of collateral in the middle and that's where I think you're seeing lots of frustration Um, I was actually surprised a little bit that Novak Djokovic wasn't kind of a little bit more angry about how you know how many more how many points he's going to defend because we've seen other players a little bit less reserved for example Marton Fucevic, he got to the quarterfinals last year um, and he is a very good player, but because he's losing ranking points, he's going to be outside the top 100, uh, which doesn't seem, you know, that doesn't seem particularly fair. Denis Shapovalov as well, obviously had a good run at Wimbledon last year. He's not uh, particularly happy about it. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how it feels like the player's I feel like the the reaction has been more negative than than positive. There have been a few players who have backed the decision. You know, Sloane Stevens, understandably, she's on the the WTA Player Council. Um, you know, she said, "I think the decision that was taken was the correct one." So you can see there's you know people on both sides of the argument. But I think at the moment, I think the big question is, what does this mean in terms of availability? Who's going to play? There's already doubts about Naomi Osaka. There's a big, you know, there's, it's going to be very interesting because these players are going to have to make this decision at some point. And yeah, the ranking month, the, sorry, the prize money might be high enough for me to not really care about the, the ranking points. But obviously, ranking points are a big motivation to a lot of players. And for Naomi Osaka, she's, you know, at, her, at this moment, she's she's not particularly sure if she's going to play. Yeah, she said it's going to feel like an exhibition um, because, you know, although she knows it's it's more than an exhibition, like it's, you know, prestigious tournament, it's a grand slam. There's obviously large, num- large amounts of prize money, the prestige. But, you know, she kind of 
feels that in her in her head I suppose she said it will still it will feel a bit exhibitiony and therefore she doesn't feel like she can give 100% um so she's leaning towards not playing it and perhaps other players will also feel the same way I mean personally if I was a player I would still go because you've got the potential to earn a lot of prize money which obviously depending on where you where you are in the world you know that could obviously a significant amount for many many players um and you've obviously got the prestige but yeah someone like Fuxovic who is going to drop out of the top 100 that's totally not fair and that's going to put him at risk of not getting into certain tournaments he might not then get into like the US Open that can really affect the rest of someone's season and their career and like he has nothing to do with either of these decisions that have been made like the you know the first one by Wimbledon to deny Russian and Belarusian players to play and then this kind of uh, retaliation by the ATP and WTA to kind of punish Wimbledon for making that initial decision it does feel like players are yeah like they're kind of being caught up as pawns in this game and I understand why the ATP and WTA have decided to strip the points because they need to make a statement that the you know the fact that it's not right to deny players the opportunity to play based on based on their nationality and, and the actions of their government which is, have nothing to do with themselves as people but I don't know is this the is this the right I think they wanted to send out a strong message to stop other tournaments making similar decisions to Wimbledon so I guess they've certainly done that but I don't know if they fully considered all the ramifications or they were just like oh we're gonna do it anyway and players will just have to deal with it I'm not sure yeah it was interesting also to hear kind of Rafa talk about the fact that you know and I was sort of getting to this kind of conclusion was I feel in a, in a weird way, both organisations are right and what they're doing is correct. But uh, yeah, it's having a big impact on the players. And as a result, you know, who knows what, what the draws are going to look like. It could, you know, could absolutely affect the, you know, the integrity of the competition. If players like Naomi Osaka are, are like, well, actually, no, you know, ranking points are a big motivation for me. Uh I'm not going to I'm not going to play if there aren't any if there are other players that follow suit the integrity could be you know completely you know weakened I think um you know from a, a tournament and a sort of a competition kind of standpoint but at the moment it doesn't feel like there's many winners in this in this scenario and some of the big losers are players who defending a lot of ranking points and and they will be annoyed because They've not had the opportunity or they will not get the opportunity, you know, to defend them. And I think that's the thing that annoys people the most, like Fuchovic. It's like, I'm not able to go on a court and, you know, like I, I normally do with with ranking points, I, you know, I accrue throughout the year and I can't go on a court and do my best to defend them. It feels like I've been powerless in this situation. And yeah, again players not particularly happy I think about how you know how little control I think they have on on this moment and it was interesting also to I think hear Benoit Pair talk about you know Benoit Pair obviously says a lot of <laughs> a lot of crazy things but I actually again sort of agree with him when he was talking about kind of you know this decision is you know based on Russian uh, and Belarusian players but it feels like everyone is being um everyone is being um everyone is being affected and again it's like I've you know for some of these players it's like I've got nothing to do with this I don't want anything to do with this but they've been dragged into the story because of the decisions by Wimbledon and by the ATP and WTA 
Yeah, and I think it just makes a mockery again of like the organization within, you know, tennis and the structure of everything, how you've got all these sort of competing decision making bodies and they don't seem to talk to each other much and they kind of make you know, unilateral decisions like Wimbledon did uh, without really consulting anyone. And then you you get this kind of backlash and you get all these problems further down the line. And I think this tournament is going to be remembered as the one that a lot of players weren't at, you know, if either because they were banned or because they just boycotted it or they thought, well, you know, maybe I just won't bother playing because what's the point? Do you think the fans will care? Because, again, I think Wimbledon's kind of interesting in the sense a lot of people go for it for a, a day out a social occasion and there are obviously there are people there like you you and me who are there for quality competition but there are other people there who just want to go and have pims and and have strawberries and cream etc and again I'm interested I feel like those sorts of fans again they might see this decision they might not even be aware of this decision but if they did they're probably not maybe going to care as much about it as say you know, if it happened at another Grand Slam, because this sort of segment exists, I think, at Wimbledon, and they're just here for a great day out, it's it doesn't feel like it, it affects their, you know, particular kind of, ex, you know, their watching experience as much as maybe if this sort of situation arose at the Australian Open or, you know, the US Open. Yeah, I mean, hey, Joel, you, you can do both. You can watch quality tennis and enjoy some pims, just, just so you know. <laughs> very, very true, very true. <laughs> I intend to do both. Um, yeah, like, I, I think it won't affect much on the ground. Like, Wimbledon is so populous. There's going to be, you know, thousands of people still going. I don't think it's going to make a difference. In terms You'll of... still be in the queue. Yeah, there's, yeah, I will still be in the queue, uh, touch wood. And I don't think it's going to affect numbers going through the gates. Uh, let's just say that much. But you know, certain people might miss or lament the fact that certain players aren't there. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of chat around the grounds when people realise, you know... Um, Where's so-and-so in the tournament? And I do think, like you said earlier, the irony is that Daniel Medvedev will probably become world number one again. <laughs> and I'm sure <laughs> Vladimir Putin will love that. So Wimbledon are going to be like, oh, we didn't really think about... It. I mean, obviously, Wimbledon weren't to know that the ATP would then make this decision. But I guess their decision, make everything has a consequence. And... I I do feel like they kind of decided this slightly irrationally. I understand everyone's motivations from all sides, but at the end of the day, I th- I think I said this when we discussed it before. I don't think it's right to deny players the opportunity to play just based on where they were born, essentially. Um, and I think it can set a dangerous precedent going forward. So it needs to be set in stone that you can't do this. Um, and I guess that's why ATP and WTA have come out also with a strong response but kim let's look at the upside here because there is an opportunity here for i don't know let's say the passing shot to come in let's get our own ranking point event in the two weeks of wimbledon i want <laughs> atp wta croydon uh i want i want another event in london let's create a competitive event get some ranking points because again there might be some tournament organizers out there thinking is there, you know, is there a business opportunity here if uh, players are already saying like it's going to feel like an exhibition? Well, you know, could could there be some makeshift tournaments coming up? Uh, I know that would, you know, that would definitely ruffle feathers, particularly with, you know, Wimbledon. And I don't know if there is kind of a sort of it, it's gated like there is you're just not allowed to do that. But <laughs> I don't know. It certainly feels like a big opportunity for you know these players, whether that's dropping down to a challenger level or, or whatever but um yeah if if I was a tournament organizer I'd be like oh could be a 
could be a moment for us here. I mean, if you got some rich bank or I don't know Amazon or Google to fund some tournament offer you know equivalent prize money or, or really good prize money plus ranking points um that would be interesting I Let's mean down sh- local park Kim they've got uh you know well, like a month to organize this so I'd like to see all that put together so quickly but yeah I hadn't actually thought of that so you've made me think outside the box there Joel thanks very much <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean we'll have to see like I, I mean I guess this decision is set in stone so but it will be so interesting over the next month to see what other high profile names will you know drop out um do you think we'll see Osaka at Wimbledon oh I mean Osaka on grass isn't exactly a a match made in heaven I, I feel like there would have been potentially a good chance of her missing it anyway like you know it's not her favorite surface I think she'd probably potentially rather just look ahead to the hard court season you know the American swing where we know when she's in her groove she can absolutely excel at so that would seem to be the more likely option um but I'm I'm intrigued to see how these players who, who aren't at the draw who would who that then allows to come into the draw um, I mean, un- unfortunately, British players are going to suffer, I guess, from the-, the lack of ranking points. You know, imagine if Harriet Dark got to the fourth round. That would have been a, a massive rankings boost. That's not going to happen now. So it's a shame. But I guess everyone's affected. But it's just, yeah, it's 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 not ideal. I look forward to going back to, to normal ways, um, you know, afterwards. But I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, the reason for this is the the Russian invasion, which is obviously causing these ramifications in our sport but I guess we shouldn't lose sight of the original you know reason for this predicament as well yeah I I agree I think you know there is another sort of way to look at it in terms of ranking points and this is a very trivial matter given you know the situation at the moment which is still you know is still going on it's still kind of very tense at the moment and um yeah, although, you know, we're talking about this from a tennis perspective, we've got to think about it in a more global context as well. And uh, yeah, but um, but Kim, there is going to be one player who is not going to be at Wimbledon. This, this story is not going to affect. And that is Joe Wilfred Songer, who brought down uh, an 18-year career uh, today on Philippe Chatrier against Kasparud. He fell uh, to Kasparud. Kasparud won 6-7, 7-6, 6-2, 7-6. This was, I mean, let's just talk about the match quickly before we get into kind of thoughts on Songa and, and his career. Because I I was impressed with how much of a fight Songa kind of put up in his, his last match. I mean, this was this match went on over three and a half hours, I think. I was watching it on TV. Really, really impressive. I mean, we know Casper Rude on, on a clay court is nothing to, nothing to sniff at. Sorry, nothing to sniff at. But Songa really, I think, was in, inspired you know, coming out onto the court, I thought it would it would have been very, very easy for him, I think, to just sort of get caught up in the moment and kind of just kind of lose it, uh, you know, very meekly. But it was great, I think, to just see him just give the fans in in attendance one last big battle on Chatrier. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, three tie-break sets with Casper Ruud, who, you know, is the eighth seed, has won titles on clay, like in really good form generally, you know, I think that's that's doable. But, um, you know, big, he's a big-time player, isn't he, Songa? At home, one last hurrah, he's going to, you know, he gave absolutely everything. So I think that was, yeah, a fantastic performance um, to to kind of push Casper Ruud a little bit. You know, it could have been a regulation 6-3, 6-4, you know, 6-3 job. But it wasn't. It was entertaining. And he got, I think, the standing ovation and the, the little ceremony afterwards that he deserved. Um, when he said 18-year career, I was just thinking, that makes me feel 
quite old, I guess. But I, you know, I've been following tennis for like 16 years now. So I suppose Songa is one of those players that's like always been there as, you know, for people our age who got into tennis at however young and they're going to start going gradually. And yeah, Songa's uh, over and out. Uh, it's, it's been, you know, oh, I think we touched upon this in a previous episode, but I'll always remember that Australian Open when he kind of, you know, demolished Rafa in the semis. Yeah, yeah got to the final. Yeah, through to the final. I mean, very, very impressive stuff. And, you know, like a, a few other players, I certainly put someone like a, a Thomas Burditch in this category, but you certainly think without the presence of of the big three that he could have, you know, gone on and, and potentially been a, you know, a multi Grand Slam champion. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of typical and, you know, his, I think his career has unfortunately been, you know, a little bit like, uh, you know, Laura Robson, uh, you know, there's been injuries constantly. I feel like injury talk constantly kind of throughout his, his career. And even in this match at the, you know, the very end of that fourth set, there was still, you know, you could see that his body was creaking. It was sort of kind of failing on him. I think particularly his, I think it was his back. He had to call a medical timeout before the, you know, that final tie break. But, um, Having said that, it's just been great, I think, to see him just have this last hurrah, get a wild card and just show show all of his talent. And, you know, he's been a great, you know, he's been a great asset to the tour. He reached world number five. Um, he's won 18 singles titles, including two Masters titles. Um, and as you said, he's delivered some really big shots at, at Grand Slams. This is not just a guy who you know, turned up for the tour and could only do it in, in the best of three set format. And one of my favorite stats, Kim, that I always re- relate to kind of Songa is that he's only one of three players to have Grand Slam wins against each of the big four alongside Thomas Burditch and, and Stan Vavrinka. And I think that just shows, I think, that the caliber of player that that he that he was in his prime. Yeah, absolute quality. And um not every player can say that, can they? That they've defeated, you know, one of the big four, all of the big four at, at a Grand Slam. Just a shame that he wasn't able to, I guess, do it, you know, consecutive matches to go all the way. Because obviously, generally speaking, over the course of his career, he would have had to have probably beaten at least one of the big four to win the slam. But yeah, definitely, he's like a, one of the cohort of players alongside like Richard Gasquet, for example, you know, always... Um, they're all thereabouts at certain times of their career coming close but pretty much coming up against the big four at some point and not able to to come through um I mean talking about Gasquet he's you know recently been playing pretty niftily beat Medvedev didn't he the other the other week but he he came through against Lloyd Harris in straight set so that was nice uh nice to see for the French crowd and um they also had Elise Cornet thrashing Masaki Doi today she only dropped two games and uh, Caroline Garcia Caroline Garcia I was waiting for that win. I know we're, we're 22 minutes in and, and <laughs> only you now you've brought up Caroline Garcia but uh I was surprised she actually won that I thought Taylor Townsend I know Taylor Townsend is coming back from having given birth like she's she's a mum now which is fantastic but I um I was fully expecting Caroline Garcia to have a meltdown or something on court with all the home pressure but I guess she's probably able to play with less pressure because no one really expects anything of her these days. So I was glad, yeah, that she she was able to come through that. Um, I mean, talking about Medvedev, he won through very easily today as well. Um, you know, he's looking to, I guess, equal at least his his quarterfinal run from last year. You know, he's starting to hopefully, I guess, look a bit more comfortable on court after coming back from his his surgery. 
It's got Laszlo Gier in the next round. Uh, one seed, though, that is out uh, today is Denis Shapovalov, uh, out in straight sets to Holger Rune. Was this, I mean, did you see this coming, Joel? Because I don't feel like this is a massive surprise. Um, but I, maybe the fact that it was straight sets is the most surprising thing, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, again, in, in our predictions pod, we sort of had Shapovalov on upset alert. And uh, yeah, Holger Rune is in a really good groove at the moment. Um, you know, he did well last week, not as well as Cam Norrie, but, um, you know, he still is a very, very dangerous player. And the fact that he's unseeded, he is going to be one of, he's one of the most dangerous players, I think, in the in the draw, in the sense, if you're a seed, you do not want to be playing Holger Rune. And Shapovalov, who, you know, has not had a particularly great, you know, last few months, particularly on on the clay um yeah it's uh you know it's 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 not been great for him you know he's got rid of of Jamie Delgado as his coach um so that obviously wasn't working out so it feels like he's maybe in a little bit of a a transition and he's going to need to transition fast because um you know he's coming up to the grass court season I think he will feel like he can do better there I was going to say Kim he's got big ranking points to defend at Wimbledon but we obviously know that's probably not going to be the case so maybe the pressure's off a little bit well, he's going to lose his points anyway, so it doesn't really Very matter true. what he does because, he <laughs> you know, he's going to lose however many anyway. Um, I think Shapovalov is now working with Peter Polanski. Um, so I, that's who's a, I guess, now retired Canadian player. So new partnership, teething going on. I'm sure, you know, he will uh, settle in with, with this one. But yeah, I, I think Rune's been playing in really good form. You know, he won Munich recently. Um, he's got, you know, I think he's 11-6 on clay this season. So I think he was just um, getting everything back. And Shapovalov, you know, I think was having a bit of issue with the the wind and everything. So just it didn't look look with it, I think, right from the word go. So um, it's a shame. Not, not unexpected, um, but I guess the highest men's seed that's, fallen I would say um yeah so far we didn't really have any shocks um you know on on the women's side today I thought maybe Pliskova you know she's not been in great form she came through in in three sets um but yeah Daniel Collins coming through Yelena Ostapenko coming through against Bronzetti one and four she (laughs) Kim I loved in her in her post-match press conference there was already kind of talk of the potential Igor Sviontek rematch because Ostapenko is the last player to have beaten Sviontek and she did not hold back she was like if that match happens I know how to beat her I am coming for her and I know what to do uh in order to kind of upset the the Sviontek uh parade at the moment so um it was interesting to hear I think the confidence I think that Ostapenko has with the moment we're still a long still a long way to go and I feel like with with Ostapenko you can't really you know, you still got to take it one match at a time, particularly with someone like uh, Simona Hallett potentially in your weight as well. But yeah, Madison Keys also through. It was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty straightforward for the, the women. And uh, yeah, Paola Bedosa as well, the third seed, double quick time against Fiona Ferro, the wild card, two in love. It was, yeah, it was the match after, I think, the, uh, the, um, the Joe Wilfred Songa retirement. I feel like, Kim, the, the Songa retirement speech almost lasted longer than the Bedosa match. I was surprised that that wasn't a bit closer because Fiona Ferro, you know, it was one of those players a few seasons ago that was being lauded as like the next thing. So she's sort of seemingly gone off the boil. She had to get a wild card to to play here. You know, she would have been in the main draw 
you know, for sure, like last year and what have you. So a bit of a shame that wasn't more, more, uh, you know, entertaining as a match. I mean, Halep's also just won. Uh, she lost the set to uh, Schunk uh, from Germany, but uh, she's come through 6-1 in, in the third. Yeah. So, um, so Simona is through. So yeah, former champions through with, with Halep and Ostapenko. Um, but yeah, we, um, we did have quite a few shocks on the women's side uh, on Sunday and Monday. So we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back in a second uh, to discuss uh, those shocks and also what else happened on day one and two at the French Open. So do not go anywhere. Welcome back to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And let's move on to the first few days of the tournament where we had... Well, the first match, actually, of the tournament out on Chatrier, playing in front of barely anyone. Uh, we had Onjabor, who, you know, many were, people were saying was second favourite for this tournament. You know, she won Madrid, um, you know, had been one of the informed players of this clay court season. Um, what does she go and do? She loses to uh, Polish number two, Magdalenette, in three sets. Um, this was... I I don't, I, oh, I don't even know if it's a surprise or not because I feel like it was more of a surprise for you than than yeah. for me because I thought this was a bank yes I thought this was a I thought this was a banker if I'm being quite honest a banker for Jabor to win easily yeah especially yeah, when yeah. you know she was six three four three forty love up I was just not expecting no. her to then and go and lose uh, you know to Lynette seven five in the third. Yes, Lynette is a is a very handy player, particularly on a, on a clay court. But yeah, I think errors, you know, unforced errors certainly crept into to Jabor's game. You know, she has kind of tweeted since on on social media, and she's still in a very kind of positive mindset. But it's certainly, I think, very disappointing given the clay season she's had. I thought she was playing the number two tennis below Iga Swiatek, but again, just not able to do it on match day maybe she will look at her preparation and how she needs to get over the finish line but I just think Lynette sort of upped her game and I think potentially that took the fans by surprise and maybe it took Jabor by surprise a little bit as well yeah I also because I know Jabor's in our collector set and I I will reveal my predictions later but basically I put her down for the final but when I was doing that I just thought oh, I, I really don't believe in this uh prediction so and I was actually thinking oh do you know what but I round one surprise if she lost like in the first round so I'm just kind of I don't know I just I feel like grand slam wise she's not there yet it's it's all very well doing well at the masters events but can you cut it at a grand slam can you cut it with this pressure on you with people saying oh yes yeah, She's like the second favourite based on recent form. Maybe that kind of got to her a bit. And, you know, she was thinking, oh, I'm I'm opening up proceedings. I'm, you know, although there wasn't many people there, there never is that early in the day, especially on the, the first day. But, you know, maybe that was just at the back of her mind, like, oh, I've got to do this. Um, and Lynette was just there, very solid, uh, doing what she needed to do. You know, less unforced errors, like just a much tidier game by the, by the match, you know, ending. And, uh she she saw blood and she she got it. So I mean, absolutely fair play to to Magdalenette. She's not a fool on the tennis court. And we've got to remember, you know, she's the Polish number two. Maybe she also got some inspiration. Maybe she got some tips from from Iga Świątek um, to uh, you know to kind of help her. But um, yeah, a good win for uh, Lynette. There were other big names, Kim, that did go out, and probably the the probably the 
I think for me, the saddest big player to go out in the, you know, the women's draw so early on, though, again, I think this was for me less of a surprise than the, the Onjabor upset. Barbora Krejcikova, defending champion against French teenager Diane Paris. Yeah, Krejcikova, I mean, she started really, really well. I think she was, what, 6-1, two love up. Similar situation to, to Jabour, but I guess, you know, with the, the French crowd French crowd behind her, uh, Paris was just playing some absolutely inspired tennis. And it wasn't helped, I think, by Krejcikova and the fact that she's not played in over kind of three months. Her last match was at, uh, you know, was in, in February at the Qatar Open. So I don't think that helped. And I think she acknowledged afterwards, you know, she hit a wall physically. And I think that's just an awful place to be on a tennis court when you've got the, you know, the Paris crowd around you, French player across the net from you. It's just not the place you want to be, is it? I do wonder if perhaps she wasn't fully ready to to come back, but she thought, you know, this is my defense of my grand slam like I'm gonna do what I can and perhaps it was just a bit too much too soon uh which is a real shame because I I think it's it's not actually surprising I think with with actually maybe Roland Garros more than other slams for the for defending champions to lose in the first round the subsequent year I think it's happened a couple of times possibly Muguruza I think it happened too and so it's such a shame because I would love I would have loved for her to go deep and really give it a shot did you think she should have played and, and got out onto the court and just saw how it went? Or do you think she should have, in hindsight, made the decision, actually, maybe I'm not 100%. I know I'm going to hit the wall and perhaps should have just maybe let it go for, you know, for you know the grass courts and, and Wimbledon. As as hard as I imagine that is, being the, the defending champion, do you feel like that would have been a, a better option, given the result? Maybe. I mean, she probably must have been feeling well enough in practice. And she said she's playing pain free. But what I think might be a better situation is if she's in the double straw as well with Sanyakova. I imagine like she if she could focus on that now and just use the doubles matches if they're, I want to say, easy enough, you know, in the first few rounds, she could probably get her her strength and energy and kind of consistency up that way. Although funnily enough, looking at the draw, she could very well play uh, Parry and Cornet in the second round if, if results go that way. So <laughs> she'll be playing Parry again. Um, but yeah, I mean, Parry's an interesting one and I appreciate I'm probably not saying her name in the correct way because I don't have a French accent, obviously. Um, but she's grown up in the area, you know, where Roland Garros is based. She's very, very local. So I think it's really, really like nice that she has had this moment. Um, she's still su- super young, you know, so for her to kind of come through and and get this victory over the defending champion, you know, who knows what she's going to, to go on to do now. I'm not expecting anything, but I think... Um, you know, it's it's nice for her to have that moment on on her home court for sure. Yeah, definitely, and it does open up that bottom quarter as as oh, we were expecting. Opens it up so much. I was looking at it earlier, thinking, <laughs> I have no idea who's coming out of this section mm. now. It's it's yep. a free for all. It's an absolute free. It's an absolute free for all. But uh, yeah, the big perhaps the biggest match everyone was sort of licking their lips at across the men and women's draws uh, was. Amanda Anasimova versus Naomi Osaka. As we all remember, there was a great match between Anasimova and Osaka at the Australian Open. Anasimova saving all those match points um, and coming through with the victory. And at the French Open, she came through with the victory again, uh, winning 7-5, 6-4 against Osaka. Um, 
yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was very tight. I feel like early on, Anasimova was able to just sort of capitalise on sort of the odd shaky game by Osaka at, at five all in that first set. And, um, you know, and Anasimova just kind of grew grew from there, really. And Osaka, I think, her serve didn't really particularly help her. She's throwing in a few double faults. And, uh, you know, I, I did say I think Anasimova was going into that as as the favourite and uh yeah it's I think it's it's nice to see her get the win and you know <laughs> I think Osaka will be looking at Anasimova and being like I really hope you're not next to me in in the draws uh, coming up for you know Wimbledon and the US Open. Yeah can you imagine especially the US Open that would certainly be like <laughs> I would be totally there for that. Got a number at the moment. Yeah but I mean it doesn't surprise me Osaka's been pretty shaky of late like she's not in a good place like on the court really um so I, I it does not surprise me in the slightest but um I think Anisimova Vekic could also be quite fun um in the next round we know Vekic on her day can have a good old battle on a tennis court so um yeah I'm, I'm excited actually I think Anisimova like obviously she reached the semis here three years ago and she maybe she's the one to come out through the draw because I, I certainly think I mean, she's got previous capable. here. She got to yeah, a semi final. Exactly. So I'm kind of looking at her now. Um, you know, she was steady in this Osaka match coming through it. And uh, I guess the confidence of the win in Australia you know, probably helped her a lot as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to see her coming back to the latter, latter stages of, of a slam again, you know, after that, that brief moment where she did it three years ago. So keeping my eye on Anissimova for sure. Um, I mean, should we keep an eye on Kaya Kanepi as well? You know, she beat Muguruza uh, in the first round. This, again, I don't think many people would consider this a surprise. Muguruza has been terrible of late, uh, losing, especially from kind of being Winning a Winning positions. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Really not going... No, nothing's working for her right now on a tennis court. Um, whether she needs to shake up her coaching team, you know, have a change. Uh, but Kaya Kanepi is one of those players you just never want to face in the first round of a slam. You know, she against top 10 players in in majors is like, well, she's won 10, lost 11. If you compare that to her performances outside of majors, it's significantly, you know, much more balanced. So I um, I don't know what Kanepi is going to do for the rest of the tournament, but the scalp that we... Ex- I guess expected her to get she very much delivered on unfortunately for Muguruza fans she she I, um, she put she pulls out these results and I'm like god I wish I feel like every pl- women's seeded player in the draw is like please can you be a seed at the next tournament I don't want you being unseeded but I think she just loves she just revels in this unseeded position and she's just carved out a name for herself in terms of you know, going into Grand Sam Jaws. I feel regardless of of what form she has shown on the the tour itself, and she's just bringing her A game. And you know, Muguruza is just in such a vulnerable state at the moment. You know, she lost. She had a really ugly loss in in Rabat last week. She took that wild card. Didn't really help her. Rome and Madrid as well were just not fruitful at all. Losing to kind of you know Putinza and, and Kalanina. So yeah, it was uh, it was a bit sad. I think for for Muguruza, a player who. Yeah, we expect, I think, a lot more on a clay court. And, you know, considering she was WTA finals champion in Guadalajara at the end of last season, where she is now, it's a real, it's a real, real drop. It's arguably probably the biggest drop, I think, um, you know, I've seen from, you know, the players so far this season on, on the WTA side. And it's 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 a little bit 
kind of frustrating to see. I am a, a Mugu fan, so I'm hoping she can kind of pull it together for the, the grass courts even. But yeah, at the moment, it's just nothing is just going well for her. Yeah, and I mean, another top seed that's out is Zanette Contevate. Um, she lost to Tom Janovic in two two straight sets. So Contevate is now the, I think there's now four players in the top 10 who are out and they were all in the bottom half of the draw. So it's really, it's very, <laughs> very open. Um, Pleased for Tom Janovic though. I always feel like she's capable of, of getting these big scalps. And she, I think, did well in Rabat. So she's in pretty decent form at the moment and Contevate has not been in good form she's lost five of her past seven matches and just seems to have lost that kind of real streak that she had at the last you know the last uh few months of of last season so yeah she's she's she was not um she was not playing neatly let's just say she was spraying uh, unforced errors everywhere in that match so yeah Tom Lanovic came through seven six seven five you know close enough but yeah, I, I I guess I wasn't really surprised. I, I feel like when top 10 seeds in the women's side go out in the first few rounds, it's not really a surprise. We're so used to it happening because like we always say, there's a lot of depth across the women's game. So, um, but yeah, it's it does mean that the draw is, is it's very uh, open on that bottom half. Um, and I guess the top half, we're still assuming it's just going to be Shriontek. <laughs> she lost, <laughs> I think, I think she only lost two games in her opener. So yeah, she... the bakery, the bakery is definitely yeah. already open, which is a little bit, little bit ominous, but at the same time, <laughs> it was sort of expected. Um, a battle that I was not expecting to be so close, but for me was one of the, the standout matches in round one, uh, on the women's side. Emma Raducanu versus Linda Noskova. She was last year's junior champion. I had never, I'm not going to lie, I'd never even heard of her, but she was absolutely fantastic uh, against Raducanu. Raducanu came through in the end, but it was a real, real battle. Raducanu came through 6-7, 7-5, 6-1, but uh, she was made to work for that victory. And and Noskova, particularly her double-handed backhand, it was just an absolute joy to watch. To an extent, I was a little bit nervous you know, going deep in that, going deep in that second set. But um, yeah, again, a nice win, I think, for, for Raducanu. She really had to kind of battle through that. And I've always been a little bit nervous about her kind of closing out kind of victories. I feel like she's had a very, quite a few kind of tight three setters this season. So it's actually quite nice to see her sort of run away with it in that third set, 6-1. Yeah, definitely. I was, I was thinking, not again, you know, please don't... Um... Please don't like lose this one in, in a third. But yeah, very, um, very good uh, stuff from Emma towards the end. And I was very impressed with Noskova. Uh, you know, she is the the junior champion from last year. So I hadn't actually seen her play before, to be honest. So it was yeah, a nice match to um, to come home to and have on the telly when I got home from work. So uh, yeah, it was it was an entertaining affair. It's, I think it's one of, like you said, one of the standout women's matches from, from the first round. And what I love, Kim, is Raducanu with that victory... She has now won on her main draw debut at all kind of four majors. Uh, so obviously she did that at the, the US Open. She's done that at the Australian Open. She obviously did it at Wimbledon. And now she's done it at the French Open. And only three players in the current top 25 in the rankings have, have achieved that. Radikanu along with Coco Goff and Daria Kasatkina. So again... Not, you know, I think that might go under the radar potentially in, you know, how it's being reported. But I think that's a very, very good, that's a very, very good achievement, I think, to have. And again, it just shows, I think, what's so exciting about Radikanu is that she has got, you know, I think she's got the ability to work across all the court surfaces. And I've been, 
I've been very impressed with how she's adapted to the, the clay this season. And, uh, you know, this, this victory, she really had to fight through it. And it was great to see her get through, you know, touch wood, injury free, um, you know, going into the next round. But, um, yeah, she's a big game player. She absolutely revels in this environment. And, uh, yeah, on to the second round. I still don't think she is 100% fit, though. I feel like there Ooh, is still... Do you not? I, I, yeah, I think she was asked about it in her press presser, and I don't think she gave a straight-out answer. But, I mean, professional athletes must always have some sort of niggle, to be fair. But I, I don't know. I'm still a bit kind of... Uh, I feel it's likely we might see... A, hopefully not, but I, you know... She well, has... Rafa's foot has magically become 100% again. Well, hang on. It's a chronic injury that occasionally flares up. <laughs> oh, here we go. Throw in the book at me. Well, Throw in the book at me. Chris did put you right on this <laughs> in the last episode as well, I have you know. Um, you, you know, he might, he might seem fine for a day, but then it could, you know, have a bad day. Um, but yeah, Rafa was comfortable over Jordan Thompson. Uh, very symmetrical scoreline. 6-2, 6-2, 6-2. Djokovic also thrashed uh, Nishioka um, like very, very comfortably. Um, so, I mean once he kind of got through the first set so I mean par for the course um I guess uh, Dominic team unfortunately hasn't managed to get a win under his belt I was really hoping that he might be able to get one here seeing as he's a former finalist and has played amazing tennis at this venue before but he is just not getting any better um he's still like a shadow of his former self and I think you know, Hugo Delian is a very stalwart clay quarter. Um, but the fat team just wasn't even really in for the challenge. You know, 6-3, 6-2, 6-4. Um, obviously, the crowd were, you know, trying to egg team on. But it just, yeah, wasn't, it's just not working. And I think he's going to go off to play some challenges because I think he just needs, he needs to he win needs a match. To. He, he needs, needs to feel to. the winning sensation yeah. again. He needs to do you know um, you know he needs to see kind of what Andy Murray's done I think you know Andy Murray's played a few challenges as well before kind of making that transition back up to the you know the ATP kind of tour level um so yeah I think for team now he's you know he's tried it he knows where his level's at it's not the level he you know he needs to be and just getting that that winning feeling again will give him so much confidence because again just kind of watching his matches he just lacks that confidence and I think you know that has come potentially as a result of some of the injury setbacks he's had over the last you know 12 to 12 to 18 months but um you know his his forehand is just not where I think particularly it needs to be in order to be kind of competitive um you know on the on the tour so um yeah we'll see what his kind of next move is but I wouldn't be surprised yeah if he goes down play some probably you know probably maybe some clay court challenges um and you know again i'd be interested to see what he does in terms of the, the grass court season whether he decides to skip it because for him i don't you know i don't think it's much there's much worth potentially and maybe it's it's more worthy to just you know find a surface i'm more comfortable on on the clay and go around the world and find some challenges to do that so be interested to see if you know what his schedule coming up is in regards to the you know, the grass court season. Yeah. Um, well, maybe he could, he could play the, a rival tournament to, uh, I mean, he's not gonna be able to gain any <laughs> ranking points or anything, is he at Wimbledon? So yeah, it'll be interesting what he decides to do, but I just hope he can get this, this, this monkey off his back. I think, you know, I think there's obviously like big psychological um, r- restrictions maybe with him coming in. Like, I think he's, he's being out for so long with such a significant injury and the surgery, like it, 
I think it's still very much, you know, affecting him, obviously, when he gets onto the court. So I just hope he can kind of work through those demons um, because he has so much talent and we want to see him back where he was. Um, just to round up before we finish for today, Joel, uh, Felix Oje Aliassime uh, managed to to come through in a, in a five-set struggle uh, to finally get his first ever win at Roland Garros. So <laughs> uh, that was good. He was, went two sets down to uh, some... Peruvian guy who I've never mm. heard of, Varillas. Yeah, that uh, was a strange start. <laughs> Very strange start. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he came through in the end. Not pretty tennis, but there we go. He got the job done. Um, Carlos Alcaraz uh, threw in routine fashion over Londero. And uh, Sasha Zverev also threw against Offner straight sets. Um, actually, interestingly, I think uh, Zverev is going to be playing Sebastian Baez next, which I think will be quite an intriguing encounter I'm I'm intrigued to see what buyers will do against Zverev maybe it will go long could could go five and Djokovic also has Molkan who again we talked about the fact that Marion Vida is who was Djokovic's coach is in Molkan's corner so that adds a a tasty dynamic I think to that match uh, Molkan's been playing some very good tennis um, of late as well so I think that could be quite a tricky encounter for Djokovic on on multiple fronts um, but let's move on Kim to collect a set we are going to unveil our collect a set picks. Um, some of our eagle-eyed listeners will have noticed uh, there was a ghost collect a set pick announced in our predictions episode. Apologies, total shambles. I may have mentioned Daria Kasatkina, which Kim instantly called me out on and were like, hang on, the picks you put on social media are different to the ones you announced <laughs> on the pod. But we don't think anyone has followed what i've said as usual on the on the pod so i think we're in uh we're in a good place they just ignore you anyway joel yeah, so. exactly, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah apologies listeners for that slight confusion uh i know when i listened back so i wasn't able to to join for the last one i was like hang on a minute um but yeah like who have you gone for joel i'm really shocked at your well actually i'm really shocked but i well i am shocked um I could say the same about yours, Kim. (laughs) Medvedev semi-final. Where has that come from? You've got Djokovic quarter-final. Do you you think Rafa's going to beat him? Absolutely. I think Rafa is going to beat Djokovic. So I've got Djokovic going out in the quarter-finals. I think the the red carpet has been well and truly laid out for Stefanos Tsitsipas to get to the final. He's playing great tennis. He got there last year. I think he's going to match it. Um, so I've got Sissipas getting to the final. Medvedev, you have gone semi-final. I've not gone that far. I've gone round three. And for some reason, I think he might lose to Ketmanovic. I think Ketmanovic on clay, quite difficult. I know Medvedev came through very easily today, but there's certainly sterner tests to come. And yeah, I've got got Medvedev getting out in round three. Uh, Jabor, awkwardly, <laughs> who has gone out already in round one. I put in the semi-finals um, with actually, to be fair, uh, quite a few of our, our listeners. Um, Bedosa, who I had meant to say instead of Kasakina, uh, I've also got reaching the semi-finals. I'm feeling a little bit confident about given how routine her match today was against Fiona Ferro. And then Bianca Andrescu, I've got going to round four. I think she will lose to to Zachary. She gave me a little bit of another of a little gave a little bit of a heart attack, Kim, in the, in her first round match because she lost that opening set. It very much looked like she was going to lose in, in two sets, but was able to kind of gut it out in in three. So I'm still on for that one. But uh, yeah, that's those are what I'm going with. 
Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I feel even more embarrassed because I put Jabor in the final. So uh, <laughs> I'm just like, what? But yeah, like you said, a lot of a lot of our participants have, you know, we all have egg on our face for that one. Um, for Bedosa, I've gone for the third round. I feel like Kuda Metaver is going to upset Ooh, her. Okay. But after seeing Bedosa thrash Fiona Ferro today, I'm a bit like, oh, okay. I did. I, I don't think that's a confident prediction. Andrescu, I've got uh, round two. I think she's going to lose to Bencic tomorrow. Mm, big um, match. US Open semi-final rematch. Oh, yes, I suppose it is. How things have changed. Um mm. And Djokovic, <laughs> I've gone to to win. Um, I, I think he's now got his groove. He's back where he needs to be. And Rafa's foot is is bothering me. Hence, I, I don't It's bothering think... you more than me. Well, it's bothering Rafa more than anyone. But um, <laughs> I, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, I don't know. I just, mm, I think Novak's back and back to business. Uh, Sitspas, I've got also in the final. I think we're going to have a repeat of last year. And Medvedev, yeah, I, I did look at Kekmanovic in the draw and I was like, oh, that could be a bogey skin. Uh, but a bogey skin, a banana skin even. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've just invented a new phrase. Love it. Uh, but I've just, I thought, oh, you know, when I've doubted him before, he's generally actually gone as per like the seeding. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, and we'll see how it goes. We'll we'll do an update halfway through as we always do. I think you're completely deluded with Medford <laughs> semi-final. <laughs> but we'll see. Well, let's see. I peaked at the Australian Open where I think I got four or five right and four, <laughs> I think. And I'm like, obviously just going to have my worst showing yet in this tournament um but prediction wise i think you and chris made predictions on on the last pod so i'll uh throw in my two pence worth i'm uh probably yeah i, I as i said Djokovic to win uh beating Sitzvas in the final for the women i've gone for Sviontek as well uh with i think now that i did have jabal but now that she's gone i'm going zachary for the final Ooh, okay. um semi-finals so oh semi-finals Djokovic, alcaraz Sitzvas, medvedev and then Sviontek Kazakina and Zachary Teichman. <laughs> yes, Teichman. Yes, one, one thing we can agree on. Well, yeah, but maybe I wouldn't have said her, but now like seeds have fallen. I'm like, oh yeah, she's she's still going. And um, also Sabalenka's just lost the first set against Chloe Paquet, a French, French player. So she could be another seed uh, falling by the wayside perhaps as well. Uh, but we'll, we'll give her a bit of time to see what she can do. Um, but yeah, we'll be back on Thursday to round up the second round. Uh, we've got some great matches coming up tomorrow and uh, sits past Musetti is on, on now actually. Uh, but tomorrow Rafa's, Rafa's the night session, which is good. So I can watch him, but yeah, in the daytime, I think Benchic Andrescu is the, uh, the match to look out for, I think really from, um, the a Philip Chatrier perspective. Um, Kerb is also playing first up. She had a really, um, tough win against Magdalena Fretch, uh, yesterday. She saved match points to come through like seven, five in the third and, like, you know, she must be tired because she played a lot of tennis last week and, uh, you know, what, like a day off and that's it. And then you sort of back out in action. Um, so, yeah, we've got also Radicani back on court against Sasnovich. Now, that's that's a toughie. Do you think Emma's going to... I do think Radicani can come through that. Um, I'm also, Kim, looking at Sebi Korda, Richard Gasquet, last match on, um, on Suzanne Longlen. That feels to me like it could go five sets. That is a that is going to be a. I feel like a match that could go, could go the distance. That could be quite a fun one. I think if I was in the grounds to go to go watch 
uh, yeah, so uh, I've got my eye out on that. And Zverev Baez. Yeah, I'm not I'm not counting out Baez to make things difficult for Zverev. I think he could potentially nick a set. Um, I don't think Zverev is going to have it all his own way um, in that match. Yeah, I think also Mukova Sakari. That, you know, Mukova seems to have dropped off a bit form-wise. Uh, she's not even seeded at this tournament. But again, she's someone who could cause some trouble for, for Sakari. Uh, so that's that's not a straightforward encounter by any means. Um, also got Alcaraz in action against Ramos Vinales. Uh Coco Goff, we haven't mentioned her. She could be one to to come through that section. And we've also, um, we haven't even mentioned Cam Norrie and Dan Evans. They came through in straight sets, didn't they? Uh, and their, their first round matches. So like that's fantastic from a British perspective. I mean, in fact, they were so sort of comfortable. We haven't even thought to mention them, which is good. <laughs> Let's hope they keep doing that and, uh, you know, um, coming through without any any hassle. But yeah, we'll be back on Thursday to round up all of the second round action. So we hope you can all join us then. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this round one, round by round catch up with the passing shot. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action at the French Open on whatever device you listen to us on. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Passing Shot Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. Uh, let us know your thoughts or feedback, any comments. Um, and if you prefer, you can reach us on an email instead, PassingShotPod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, www.thepassingshot.co.uk. And we will be back on Thursday at Passing Shot HQ for our round two round by round catch up so i hope you can join us for that but in the meantime it's goodbye from kim goodbye (laughs) and it's goodbye from me we'll see you again soon Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.